It's Cofield and Company. No one, and I mean no one, is going to outwork this guy. The man has unstoppable energy. Steve Cofield. We like Steve. <laughs> but we don't love Steve. It's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. o'clock hour, final hour of the week. Uh, John Bontobel has two more hours this weekend. Hardwood Handicappers on VEASAN. He's on daily, Monday to Friday, 1 o'clock on VEASAN. Bontobel is here. Plus the daily write-ups at VEASAN.com slash JVT if you want to check them out. There you go. Do you, you're not doing daily write-ups once the finals are done, right? Well, there's no more basketball to write about, Steve, after the finals are done. I mean, you could write about, well, it's like the <laughs> NFL, you could write about it every day if you wanted to. Yeah. Uh, the draft is after that. Free free agency starts like two weeks later. Summer league right after that. Well, actually, you're right. Yeah, what, they, do you think you're going to get time off? Uh, Hope you. Hopefully, your bosses aren't listening. Well, I, I mean, I sent it a vacation request like a month ago. So <laughs> I, I, yeah, so I you're like, I will not be here, so you can't <laughs> heap anything upon me. All right, Big Five time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. I'll make it a big six because I wanted to uh, remind people, breaking news about two hours ago, I guess it's not breaking anymore, but Brian Edwards no longer with the Raiders. Hmm. Third round pick, 2020, big wide receiver, high hopes for him. Didn't work out, and uh, this crew running the Raiders didn't think he was part of the plan moving forward, so he's been traded for a fifth round pick to the Atlanta Falcons. I wanted to finish up with the real number five uh, with the Sixers because it's not only the Doc Rivers angle, and if you saw yesterday, the Sixers eliminated from the playoffs. What do you have on the Sixers? I mean, oh, there's a lot. First well, off. No, no. First of all, what do you have betting-wise on the Sixers? Like, personally? Yeah. I didn't have anything. Oh, you didn't have anything? Oh, no, I bet them. No, I mean, for that series, I bet them to win it at 3-1 to one after or before game four. And so I bet I, it before I, the yeah. series at plus 310, so we both got screwed on yes. that. Uh, they can't extend it to seven. So, we talked about Rivers making all the excuses. It doesn't look like he's going to get fired. Now the questions are, what is James Harden and what do they do with him? Well, he's got an option for the last year of his contract, uh, $47.36 million on the table for him. He did indicate that he was going to you know, opt in to that option, which he probably should. Good move. Because there's not that big of a market for James Harden, and there's already rumors floating out there that he's going to get less than the max, which given the way that he's played, each of the, there was like that 33-game stretch when he was playing for your Nets last season when he looked like old James Harden, and he was awesome. But since that hamstring injury, it's been nothing. So what happens with Harden in terms of how much he gets paid? Is he really going to opt in? Because if you remember, he had actually, there was a deadline in the regular season in which he could have opted in and he messed up the paperwork and didn't get it in on time. Oh, wow. Allegedly. And um, we'll see if this is actually going to be the case. But what they do with Harden is, I think, first and foremost, the top story because he's going to be paid a lot for services that have exactly been rendered by him. Post game last night, let's see if Joel Embiid put in a good word for him. You know, since uh, we got him, everybody expected uh, the Houston James Harden, but that's not who he is anymore. He's more of a playmaker. Uh, I thought, yeah, at times, you know, could have been, as all of us, uh, could have been more aggressive. Uh, all of us, whether it's Tyrese or Tobias or, you know, guys coming off the bench. 
Okie dokie. <laughs> I wonder what their relationship is like. They've hardened, you know, texted him today, and he's like, bruh, what are you doing? He caught himself. He said all of us. Yeah. <laughs> he barely caught himself. But he said it straight out. He's not the same guy. Well, and that's the weird part about this dynamic outside of just the money thing. So you hear those comments from Embiid. You hear Harden after the game yesterday, and they ask him, because for those who don't know, he didn't take a shot in the second half, or he didn't make a shot. And his last made shot was in the second quarter. And he was asked, like, what happened? Like, why weren't you taking shots? With And he goes, we were running our offense. The ball just didn't get to me. And it's like you're, you're, you're James Harden. You're the point guard. What do you mean the ball didn't get to you? Right. If you want the ball, right. you can get the ball. Right. And so you get those weird comments from Harden. You get Embiid saying you need him to be more aggressive. Like there already seems to be this weird kind of dynamic that has bled out in media availability. So he didn't throw support by Harden moving forward, and then he starts talking about he starts kind of lamenting about players of the past. I won't sit here and say I wish uh, I didn't wish he was my teammate. Uh, I uh, still don't know how we let him go, uh, but you know. I wish I could have gone to battle with him uh, still, but it is what it is. Um, you know, I just got to, you know, keep building and, uh, you know, keep trying to reach that goal. He was talking about Jimmy Butler, who's now on the other side. Right. And, for, and Actually, it's funny. They So they showed the old highlight. It was the anniversary of the, uh, the Kawhi shot when he was with Toronto where he's sitting on the sideline watching it bounce in. And you almost forget there's Jimmy Butler in his 76ers uniform standing there. Like he, they were really good together. They, they worked out really well, but the 76ers chose Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris when it seemed pretty clear that they weren't going to be able to get Butler back. And it's weird because it did seem pretty clear that those two wanted to stay together, but it looked like it was going to be either Simmons or Butler who you're going to buy into. And the 76ers saw a dude, a young dude with upside who has all defense talent and Ben Simmons. And they went in that direction. I don't think you blame him at the time, but hindsight tells you that, wow, that's crazy. You gave Tobias Harris that five-year, $180 million deal, but that is reflective upon the organization about what they chose over Jimmy and the relationship between Jimmy and Joel Key. Like, just looking at that, like that's why Joel loved Jimmy, because there was somebody that can say, Joel, get your ass off the ground the first 10 possessions of the 76ers game yeah. in game six. Like, let's go. There was somebody to push Joel like that, and they respected each other. Jason Williams, strong language. They have, like, a really good relationship, and it looked like it was going to work. Did you see the, the footage of Butler, by the way, after the game when he was walking to the locker room where he's screaming, Tobias Harris over me, huh? Oh, yeah, after they eliminated Philly. And even told, I think it was uh, George Sedano after the game, he was talking to him on the court, and even Butler had to catch himself. He was like, yeah, you know, I, I still wish I had played with the 76ers. I love it in Miami, but loved playing with Joe Embiid. Like, it was weird. Oh, it, my God. It was such a weird dynamic yesterday. But it's also one of the biggest what-ifs. If that shot doesn't go down for Kawhi, if they go on to win a title, what does that team do? Him and Butler clearly got along, and it was a really good team. It's, it's going to be a crazy moment in history to look back on. Number four. Warriors trying to close things out after getting uh, whooped. Whoop that trick. Right? You enjoy that at the end of the game? Kind of. Okay. You got a problem with it? Like the song itself or yeah. what the Warriors were doing? Uh, I didn't love what the Warriors were doing. I just feel I, mean, I it always plays feel into kind their of... cockiness. They're extremely cocky and they're like, roll with the punches. It's funny though. Draymond was out there dancing and then he, he, he mentioned it in the press conference, kind of sounded annoyed that, you know, the Grizz had such a good time beating the hell out of them. <laughs> Maybe it'll work as motivation. So his true feelings were actually you know, expressed in the press conference, not what he was doing on the floor. Well, I always just feel kind of weird saying, whoop that trick. 
<laughs> out loud yeah. on on, uh, on radio. But I will say, they don't in Memphis. The whole arena's <laughs> dancing and they're playing the song. Um, but when it comes to like this is this is the thing that's kind of weird with Golden State, and, and I don't like to do this because this makes me sound like an old curmudgeon. But there are times when you watch them like yesterday, and they're getting whooped, and they're nowhere near coming to get, like, competing in this game, and they're dancing afterwards. Curry goes into that game saying, you know, they asked what the game plan was. He said, whoop that trick because, you know, referencing the song. There's just this, like, cockiness about them to a certain extent where it's like, hey, we won titles. We've done this before. We got a game six back in Golden State. We're going to be fine. But it's, but you were also really lucky to win that last game in San Francisco. And this team's not afraid of you, man. I, don't, I just don't really dig the way that they've been handling this. You know, I've been saying the whole time, like their their cockiness is annoying, and I do feel like they're going to pay for it at some point. I, I know it's like the it well, they seems, did remember it seems the like, finals. It seems like the smallest thing, but uh, multiple guys on the team shooting threes and then like running the other direction and not even looking to see if they made it. And Steph, uh, Steph's awesome, but there's going to be a case in a key game where like you run the other way and uh, three, you know, you're making your sign and the ball bounces right to your spot. Well, it's remember the behind the back pass in the finals. Like that's always going to be remembered, Curry. Try, in a in a tight game, trying to throw a behind the back pass casually, and he threw it out of bounds. Would you like to scold me on Draymond? My fixation on Draymond? No, I just th- I just thought it was funny. Like you know, you you've always been so hyper focused on Draymond and the way that he plays. When in reality, like none of the Warriors have played very well in this series. Otto Porter Jr. has been their best player. Steph Curry has not been good. Clay Thompson looks like there are a couple of analysts who put it this way. Uh, I think it was Howard Beck, if I remember correctly that essentially it's almost like a rookie wall to an extent for him because he hasn't played in so long. He's getting his body right. And so when you're playing like this and you're trying to get your body used to it, he hasn't really looked that right like physically. But I just think I just wanted to laugh at you because you're so hyper-focused on Draymond mm-hmm. and talking crap about him when in reality you could have been chastising this whole Warriors team because they've been playing like garbage this entire series. Number three. On to the NFL. We want to get to uh, some of the uh, more interesting and alarming notes from the schedule release, but... Interesting story that came out a couple days ago on Sam Howell. He's the quarterback from North Carolina. Slipped a bunch in the draft. Went to the commanders. Mm-hmm. Did the teams ask him about his food fixation and say, you know what? This guy is a wackadoo. We're passing. This is weird. Only eats chicken. But it's not just like chicken. It's not yeah. like chicken breast or uh-huh. like chicken thighs or chicken cordon bleu. It's chicken tenders. And I'm a, I am a massive chicken tenders person. But it ain't all I'm eating. And that apparently this is all this guy eats. He's never tried any other meat? To his knowledge, he says that he has not tried a hamburger, steak, anything like that. No seafood. Obviously, no seafood either. And I can kind of like, I don't, I'm not the biggest seafood fan, right? Like, I like shrimp and, and certain fishes, it, but it's definitely lower on the scale of proteins in which I consume. Sure. But I'll still consume a pro, like a fish every once in a while. <laughs> he brings chicken tenders with him to places so he can eat them. One of the articles I refer like was reading like celebration dinners with the team if it's steak brings chicken tenders. That's psychotic. It's also, I mean, I would assume not the best thing to eat all the time if you're a professional athlete. Very natural, no preservatives at all. <laughs> They're very safe. Keeps the weight off. I mean, as I can tell you, it would make the obvious joke. We wonder why he slipped. This is probably why. It's weird. It's weird. What do you think is going to happen when he goes to like some fancy steakhouse in D.C.? He's not going to go to one. Takes out all the linemen. No, the linemen are like, hey, we want a big dinner. Let's go to the steakhouse. And he goes in. He's like, where are the chicken fingers on the menu? And the waiter's going to be like, well, He brings what? them. 
I don't bring, think he brings them to restaurants. I think he brings them to like team dinners. Oh, he'll bring not them. not team dinners out, but like the facility. He'll bring. Them. I I'm guessing. I mean, do you think Dan Snyder's well, going to cheap out and be like, "Sorry, no chicken fingers today"? I mean, I'm also going to assume chicken tender. Sorry. I don't think this is the only thing he eats. I think it's the only protein he eats. So, like, wow. if you go to a steakhouse, is he willing to get a salad? That sort of stuff. Eat the bread. I feel like maybe there's probably some leeway. I don't think he wakes up and eats chicken din- like chicken tenders for breakfast. I have no idea what the best chicken tender place is. If it's a local place or a chain in the D.C. area, we'll have to do some research on this. But he should have a deal, right? He oh, should have I mean, a couple of deals. It, it should be immediate, right? Do they have a... a a chicken tender type place out there? I don't want to give the free pop, but there, is there a chicken tender type place I don't, out there? I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't know if they have Raising Cane's there. I don't oh, know okay. if they have Zaxby's. Never had that. Chick-fil-A technically doesn't have fingers, right? Or tenders? I don't think so, no. They have the bites. Right. There's got to be a place that specializes. It's become uh, Chicken fingers have become, uh, in some ways, well, chicken wings have become, in some ways, more of a delicacy than steak. Oh, I, yeah. I don't get it, but... We have the great national chicken wing shortage. Chicken, yeah, chicken wings have been fetishized for some reason. Thanks, Sleepy Joe. Your fault as well. Yes. Number two. All right, so week one is already out. Do we have anyone? Let me finish the statement. Week one is already out from a betting standpoint in the NFL. Has anyone posted all of the season yet, or is that coming? Like every game? Every, every game, because someone will do it you know, well, here in the next couple of weeks. C, so C, CG technology, that's an old book out here for, for people that don't remember they used to do it. They would post a line for every single game of the season. I don't know if every, or excuse me, if there's going to be a, a book that does it now. I haven't seen it since CG went out and stopped doing it. Did you see a game in week one where you're like, I'm, fire, I'm ready to fire on this right now? Uh, Kind of. So we were actually talking about it. Broncos, Seahawks? So there's a really strong case to be made. If you go back to last year in the National Football League and in years past, but last year specifically because I have the numbers on it, the median result at home for teams at home was zero. Essentially, home court was or home field was worth nothing. The average result at home for teams was, oh, an average margin of victory is about 1.6 points per game. So home field meant nothing in the, in the NFL. So if you kind of go down that rabbit hole and you look at the way that these teams are rated, there's a really strong case to be made that the Broncos should be laying – much closer to like six and a half in this spot against Seattle as opposed to four. I think the Seahawks, are, it's shocking enough to say, I think they're actually a little overvalued by the betting market. I will take the Texans plus seven and a half against course, the Colts. Of course you are. Not, not to stick it to you. No, because you're the, you're the contrary. You want to go and you want to fly in the face. And well, I love I mean, dogs. Yes. And I don't love the, I'm going to, I'm going to make the statement. You're going to probably school me and say like, you nine of the last 10 openers. The Colts have been great. I don't, I don't know that I love the Colts, you know, first time out with a new quarterback improved defense. It was already freaking awesome. They've won 12 straight openers and covered all they, 12. They have not. No, <laughs> no they haven't. Was it two years ago? They only lost the opener to the Jags. Was it last year or two years ago? The Jags and it and it knocked like it knocked out like eighty eight percent of survivors. Famous Brent Musburger came in to lecture me about the Colts for some reason because he had the Jags and the Survivor, (laughs) and I was like, I was like, or excuse me, the Colts and Survivor that week. I was like, I said, what do you want me to do? That's getting knocked out the first week. I'm on that, and then of course, um, many of us are uh, just hoes for the Chiefs, even when they're laying points on the road. No, no, DeAndre Hopkins. (laughs) Chiefs minus three at the Cardinals. You're in? I think I might be. I was actually looking at Detroit. I'm not sure if I'm in on this whole Philly thing yet. Detroit plus four at home against yeah. uh, the Eagles is week one lines. Yeah. I, I Philly, as Sam Paniotovich came on last week, or was it earlier this week? 
told us that the, the, the liabilities building up on Philly, everybody loves their offseason, might lead to some shorter numbers than probably should be. I'll, I'll take Detroit. Number one. So I really like the the Raiders schedule. I think it starts out tough, and then there's a you know kind of a sweet spot in the middle of the season mm-hmm. where, hey, if they can steal one of these road games in the first three weeks, they play at Tennessee, they play at the Chargers. If they can steal one of those and take care of business at home in game two of the season against the Cardinals, come out two and one. I actually think in the first nine games they can get out to a six and three start. It wouldn't be surprising. We've seen it before. Right. And then after that, they've got games uh, along the way at at Steelers. And I pointed out in, you know, with in multiple shows, multiple spots, that at Steelers, at Seattle, I think those are going to be fascinating because who's playing quarterback for both teams? You don't know where those teams are going to be at that point in the season. I will tell you from a Vegas standpoint, the thing I'm most disappointed with, and I, I saw a lot of fans complaining that the Raiders didn't get enough primetime spots. If you roll in the 815 Eastern time for Christmas Eve, at the Steelers, I guess they have four primetime games. Yeah. Three on the road. Like, we built the stadium. Hey, let's go. We're the coolest city in the NFL. Come on. What about Nashville? Give us more games here. We got one game here in primetime? Week. It is week. It's a really good venue. We've seen already that there were some, there were some brilliant primetime games each of the last two seasons here at Allegiant. The last primetime game of the regular season, Raiders-Chargers. Forget about it. That was the craziest game of the season to put it out into the postseason. So I would agree with that. There is a reason why you chose Las Vegas. It should be a city in which you put a lot of standalone and primetime spots. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. If you're sitting right behind a taco fall, uh, <laughs> so you're going to have a bit of an obstructed view. So what are they they're trying? We're going to just put some padding on here so that, so that you can uh, have a little better vantage point. Uh, That's really cool. So you could, what's the ripple effect? Then the guy behind her can't see either. <laughs> so, so now so you got to have a lot of cushions there. Oh, my gosh. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Fast sound crew getting getting right down to it, huh? Short people have no. Just get rid of them. You never heard of that song? No. Randy Newman. Yeah. Sounds. Is that the guy who sang the Toy Story song? I don't know. I love L.A. Oh, okay. Does that one? He is the Toy Story guy. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, Taco fall in front of you at a game is a nightmare. Did yeah, you watch this video? I saw that because it was, was a short woman too. He's seven foot six. There's no way you could see, but then, you know, that's why Kenny Smith makes the, makes the big bucks. You know, instant observation. They brought out the cushions for the lady. She's all propped up. She can see around. Taco fall. The guy behind her has no shot. So now seems, your third row seat sucks. It also seems extremely uncomfortable. Like the booster seat they brought out for her. Oh, it wasn't ideal. To sit the, like, the entire game like that. Uh-huh. You get a refund? Discount? Free drinks? It's not the experience I signed up for. It's like when you buy the baseball tickets, but your seat, it's like when you click on it after you buy it, they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, obstructed view. <laughs> obstructed view. And what? it's behind a pole. Yeah. Thanks for telling us. 
How's Taco Fall doing? Does he get the same love with the Cavaliers that he got with the Celtics? Those crowds loved him. No, it does not seem. <laughs> Chanting tacos. Yeah. Does not seem to be the case. Uh, follow up on the Raiders and their primetime spots, which you include, if you include uh, Christmas Eve, they have four. Um, you get my point, right? On, like, in Vegas, we need more of these spots. It's good for us, good for tourism. It's mm-hmm. the, you know, free, like, five-hour advertisement. Well, that and it just, it, the... And the division should have gotten more primetime games. And Raiders Broncos twice, Raiders Chargers twice, and none of them are on primetime. That's kind of silly. The division, obviously, as you're talking about, like, that ties into that. You have star power now here with Adams and how that's going to work out. Like, there's reason to have eyes on this team yep. on top of being a good city. And also, I mean, and I don't know how far out they decide these things, but just given how, like, the raving reviews from the National Football League in terms of how much they love Las Vegas, right. I, I am surprised that there was not more in terms of using the city in primetime settings. That's pretty messed up. And when I look through the rest of the primetime games, like, I know the Jets have a Thursday game. Why? Why are the Giants on a Monday night football game and on Thanksgiving? Both of their Cowboy games are prime time. The Giants suck. What are you talking about, Steve? It's the NFC East rivalry. And you were asking me earlier in hour one about, you know, West Coast or East Coast bias. If they, you know, like Stephen A. Smith is introducing the Chargers with a hot take on the Chargers. Yeah, that, that's part of it. That they think people want to watch Northeast the Giants. fans. <laughs> Northeast fans respond to their, their, the football in their area. And they're fired up even to watch their five-win teams. Let's get them in primetime. Like like I've said many times, uh, for me, it's a blessing. Until the Jets can actually compete and win like eight games, I don't want them in primetime games. I don't want ISO spots. I want them to be buried on Sunday so that I can watch the seven other games and just kind of keep an eye out for how the Jets are doing. And then if they're doing okay, I'll watch it. Otherwise, I got other stuff to do. You got one, right? It's a Thursday night game. No, thank you. There's no need for it. See Zach Wilson in action, all those new toys. They're going to be great. Well, maybe we'll have a good answer on how good they're going to be, but Wilson closed out the second half of last year okay. He was dreadful to start. You see him having some big jump this year? I, I, no. No. <laughs> I was like, you're trying, trying to come up with something, and you're like, no. But I'm not also some expert quarterback evaluator, but I will just say that from what I saw last year, it wasn't, then I still a lot of confidence in the future. More of Cofield and Company is on the way, live in the Finley Toyota Studios. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. We got a great event coming back to town because, you know, COVID really screwed things up for a lot of our charity golf tournaments in Las Vegas. It's Coaches versus Cancer. Uh, we've enjoyed talking about this over the years, and of course, it's very closely tied to the Krugers, Lon, and Kevin. And Lon was such a big part of uh, putting this together after uh, Coaches versus Cantor was established by Norm Stewart. Lots of big time college basketball coaches are going to be in town to play golf, and there's a couple of fundraising shindigs as well. Brad Underwood is one of them, the coach at Illinois, and he gives Steve and John a couple of times or a couple of minutes here on a Friday. Coach, how are you? Doing terrific, guys. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to uh, to Vegas and sounds like some warm weather. And uh, as always, a great time at Lon's event. And uh, it's, it's one of the special events uh, uh, that we get to take part in uh, every year. Yeah, talk about the event and uh, how uh, you got involved and why you're involved. 
You know, I was an assistant coach at Kansas State, and obviously Lon, uh, you know, Lon's a legend there. I mean, one of the all-time great players to, to play there. And, and um, you know, we, we looked at this as, a, as an opportunity to, to uh, get involved with, with a great cause, obviously, and then also have a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, a group of, uh, of K-Staters at that time came out, and, um, you know, I, there were two or three groups, and, and – and we played golf and, and just had a great time. And it's one of those things that uh, uh, you get a lot of coaches together, you get a lot of people together, and you're doing it for such a great cause. And it's just something that, that has grown. And uh, I've been proud. I think I've missed one or two years maybe because of uh, some coaching changes or moves. But, uh, man, it's been one of those special um special events on my calendar every year. And this is full-scale involvement. It's not just this big event here in Vegas. It's all the uh, local areas that do events. And you guys had a dinner uh, about a month ago where I think you had over 1,000 people at the dinner uh, at Illinois. And and, and uh, Bill Self and Lon Kruger were there, right? Yeah, it was really special. It was really cool to, to bring back two former uh, Illini great coaches. Uh, you know, obviously Lon was uh, – was instrumental in, in, in kind of turning the program back around. Uh, he left to go to the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Bill Self came in and just continued to build that, and, and uh, he left to go to Kansas. And, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great, great program. They're passionate about their basketball, and it was great for those two guys to get back and reacquaint with some people that uh, maybe they hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, but uh, and then we did it for uh, you know for for coaches versus cancer and the American Cancer Society. We raised uh, uh, we had 1,260 people there, I believe, and and uh, raised several hundred thousand dollars and nice. just a, a great time had by all and 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 for a great cause. You know, you mentioned the ties uh, with Illinois to Self and uh, Lon Kruger. Um, it's a small world, the basketball world. Like you go way back with Self as college basketball players, correct? Yeah, Bill, uh, you know, I grew up in Kansas, and, and Bill grew up in Oklahoma, and we were acquaintances in, in, in high school from camps. And then um, uh, I went the junior college route. Bill was at Oklahoma State, and then I ended up taking a visit uh, to Oklahoma State. Bill took me out of my visit. And, you know, everybody <laughs> talks about what a good recruiter he is. I, you know, I, 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 I say he's not that good. You know, I didn't go there. He flopped. Uh, but... But um, yeah, we've known each other, and, and obviously Bill's a Bill's a, had a Hall of Fame career, and and um, you know I first got into I first got into coaching, and he was he was an assistant at Oklahoma State, and then has became a head coach early, and has had so much success, and uh, you know it's 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 been a uh, it was a lot of fun to bring them back, and and uh, you know we've stayed in touch throughout the years. Get involved in the cause at cancer.org. It's Coaches versus Cancer, a collaboration between the American Cancer Society and the uh, National Association of Basketball Coaches. Massive event here this weekend with uh, golf being played early next week, and we've got the Illini coach, Brad Underwood, on the phone. One last thing about your playing days. Like, you and Self were pretty solid players. We're very familiar, and the audience knows about Lon Kruger from coaching here at UNLV, and now Kevin's here. But, uh, again, I think we need to remind people how good Lon Kruger was as a player. Oh, you're talking about a guy who was a two-time Big 8 player of the year. And, uh, and, and then to top that off was a professional baseball player yep. and was, you know, Lon is an elite athlete and you could, 
you can see that hand-eye coordination if you ever play golf with him. Yeah, uh, she just he's just so instinctive. But uh, oh, and and uh, you know, in a, in a very historic program at Kansas State that's had a lot of great players, uh, Lon ranks right up there at the very very top as 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 one of the all-time greats. I saw Coach Kruger middle of the UNLV basketball season playing horse at the, the Mendenhall Center, which is the UNLV facility, playing horse with one of his grandsons, and I'm like. This kid has no shot. He like I don't know if Lon's going to miss on purpose, but th- this this is an uphill battle. Well, I know this. You you never want to get in a free throw contest with Lon. No, no. It's a it's a not and and if there's any type of wager on it, you are going to lose. So uh, no, he's one of the great uh, great shooters, and uh, you know he's just a crafty point guard. And and you know I I said he was I say this all the time when I describe when I describe him he was John Stockton before John Stockton, huh. except a better shooter. Wow, and I mean, just a just a great player, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't challenge anybody no. to uh, take him on even today at uh, uh, at the free throw line. Let's uh, let's talk a little basketball, John. Go ahead. Yeah, so coach, I'm curious. We get the report three days ago. Kofi Coburn, among some others, invited directly to the NBA Combine in Chicago next week. There's a guy who coached him. What does it mean to see Coburn get a shot to uh, show his stuff in front of uh, NBA execs? Yeah, it should be that way. He was a first team All American. He was uh uh he was a he's a two time All American. Uh he was, in my opinion, uh the most dominant player in college basketball this year. Um, you know, he's seven foot, three hundred pounds. He's a guy that uh uh demands a ton of attention and, and and now it's 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 only fitting that he gets to take his abilities and uh, and go to the combine. Play under the NBA rules and the, the no three seconds in the paint and 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 show his skills and his his, his wares at that level and uh, he'll do great. He's a, he's a very very gifted athlete and and a guy that uh, just had a dominant. Uh, you know, last couple of seasons. So I'm curious your thoughts because we're starting to see this. It's I don't even know if you call it an evolution, but we just watched Nikola Jokic win back-to-back MVPs as a center. Joel Embiid was a runner-up as a center. And NBA centers are asked to do more and more and more perimeter-based stuff. You know, what have you thought of just this evolution of the position and the way that the NBA is heading and how he fits into all of that? Yeah, I, you know, I think that's still there, there, there's still value in size. Uh, you know, you've got to – what people will be shocked with with Kofi is his athleticism. Uh, Kofi was an elite soccer player growing up, and, and uh, uh, the stuff that he can do with the soccer ball is, and, and his footwork is, is phenomenal. And so people will see that athleticism, and, and uh, they'll see his mobility. He was the second fastest guy on our team. So I think even though he, he's quite large, uh, people will be shocked to see how how much balance he has, how, how fast he is. And, uh, you know, he's got to take that to the next level. And obviously it, it, it's not just on the offensive end. It's much more on the defensive end in terms of, of, of uh, guarding ball screens, switching. There's a ton of switching. And then it's, uh, you know, in his case, uh, going out and, and rebounding from space. And, and, and he'll show he can do those things. So, Coach, where are you now on team building in terms of, a roster when we see college basketball going to more, you know, four out, one in. Are you still looking to get, you know, behemoths? Because then the flip side of this is to win in the Big Ten, you got to have bigs because it's the programs that may have four or five guys on the roster who are six nine plus. Yeah, our league's been very big, yes. and um, <laughs> uh, 
you know, night in and night out, you're going to you're going to see people that that, that have a post up game. Um, you know, I think that uh, I want to be able to play to the strengths of our team. Uh, we we have a young man that uh, that transferred a semester from Baylor, who's who's six ten, two seventy. He's still big, but he's very very mobile, very skilled. He's He's a different skill type than Kofi, uh, but uh, but again, I think we all have to be sensitive to uh, the way the game is evolving, and and you know there's always a trickle down from the NBA to the college game, and it and it, it happens in some leagues a little quicker than others. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we've in, we've enhanced our team uh, on the perimeter. Uh, I think we've got really good athletes, we've got really good size there, so we will be a little bit. Uh, a little bit different, but it, it, the Big Ten is still uh, extremely big, extremely physical, and 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 for 20 nights a year, uh, you know, it's it's uh, you, you you better bring it in the paint, or or it's uh, it's going to be a tough night for you. So in the National Football League, I'm always amazed that we, like we've seen over the last few seasons, the philosophies of college offense really going over to the National Football League level, and they're spreading it out more, and it's more downfield passing. You're getting some of that stuff. When you watch the NBA and college basketball, there are some really stark differences. You mentioned there's more low post play than usual in the NBA level. Why do you think there is still that difference between the professional level and college basketball? Is it just that there's more athletes available to college coaches? Because it's a stark contrast between the style of basketball when you watch college versus pro. Well, for one, the rules are different, and and I think that we we all have to identify that you know we're one of the only countries in the world that play with different set of rules. Uh, we see we have a different shot clock. Uh, the lane is different. We have uh, uh, three seconds in the paint uh, defensively in the NBA. We don't have that, uh, so you can clog up the paint pretty good uh, in in college, and that's one of the things that. Uh, uh, is drastically different and makes it very, very hard to guard uh, in the NBA. Is, is they play with such great space and, uh, but you know, I, if that's one thing I could change about basketball, I would love to see us play all by the same set of rules and have kids grow up playing that way. And uh, it's one of the one of the things kids have to get adjusted to in our state. They don't play with a shot clock, uh, so. I think there's challenges, um, but uh, most of those things happen on the defensive side, much more so than the offensive side. Let's close on one of the hot-button issues. Brad Underwood's with us, uh, coach of Illinois, part of Coaches versus Cancer. It's in town this weekend to get involved, get information. Cancer.org is where you want to go on internet. I'll just combine it. Um, your thoughts on NIL and the portal, and I saw you say last month, you're like, we may have our entire team in the future going to the portal every year. That sounds crazy to me. Well, I think the one thing that we're we're trying to to, to all figure out is is to, is to what the what the guardrails are. Yeah. What are our rules in this, and and how are we going to uh, how are we going to maneuver in the future? I think everything is so new that uh, you know we don't we don't quite know what the parameters are yet. But um, you know it's here to stay. I think the toothpaste is out of the tube. Uh, the, the the portal is. Uh, um, you know, going to have a dramatic effect. I think we're approaching 1,700 people um, in, in the portal, and uh, but I also think that um, you know that can be good. I think we have to accept it. I think we we've got to learn to quit complaining about it. I think we've got to we've, we've got to accept it. We got to move on, and then we got to deal with it. And and we we lose some kids to the portal for a variety of different reasons. 
but we also can go get some on the in the portal and mm-hmm. and, uh, and and benefit from that. But uh, you know, name image likeness is still forming, guys. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, the NCA just made some announcements uh, about collectives and and what that looks like. So I think that's ever evolving, but uh, it's here to stay. Uh, it's good. I think I, I'm I'm all in favor of student athletes. Uh, making money on their on the on the NIL part of it, and uh, and yet we sure don't want it to be pay to play, and and, yeah. and I think that's where we've got to be really careful. Coach, we appreciate it. Enjoy your time when you're uh, here in Vegas. It is a great cause. Again, cancer.org and uh, Brad Underwood, nice enough to join us, and and he is a big part of Coaches versus Cancer. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. There is Brad Underwood. One of our company members is going to be very angry that he came on today because. Uh, Coach Brad is one of uh, Adam Hill's favorites. Yes. Used to chat him up going back to the Stephen F. Austin days. And the 24-minute interview I think you guys had with him at uh, Radio Row, the Final Four, that I had to cut up and edit. Oh, you had to cut it up? Yeah. back in the day. I forgot about that one. Uh, he gets going. He gets fired up. I'm, I'm talking about Underwood and Adam. Adam started making some deep references, and then Coach Brad was all in. I like what he said about the portal. Yeah. Uh, Mike Bryce said it the other day, too. The Notre Dame coach is like, enough. Stop whining. Because as Brad Underwood just said, you're going to lose guys, but you have the opportunity. You know, when they, they're going to set certain deadlines here, you have the opportunity to go out and get someone else. And I never got to this. I wanted to ask him, but we kind of ran out of time. I, I wonder what coaches, when when guys who are like two and three years in, maybe even the freshmen, they come to a coach, and a lot of times they don't even come to them. You just put your name in the portal, and you're like, okay. Um, but I think coaches have a good sense of who's going. Like I actually noticed they were, they'd asked um, portal questions of Brad Underwood about a month ago at a press uh, get together. And someone said, uh, you surprised by anyone who went to the portal? He's like, Nope, not at all. Which means like, you, you know, which guys are going to go. But I wonder with a lot of coaches, John, when a player comes to them, you know, they get out a couple of sentences. You hear a couple of the reasons they may leave of, of most coaches are like, go. Yeah. Like I, you know, I mean, I'm sure they might fight for some of them, but for others, it's like, you know, if you don't want to be here, that's why I keep mentioning with that, that Pittsburgh wide receiver with Pat Narduzzi, the coach, you know, pissing and moaning about it. Like, dude, he, if he doesn't want to be here, you're probably better off just, you know, getting, collecting yourself and going to get another play. Now it late in the game, it sucks, but I'll tell you with Illinois, you know, what, I'll mention it on the way back. They lost Andre Corbello, who was a gigantic recruit. He went into the portal. He's landed at St. John's and, Underwood went out, worked, and he recovered like almost instantly by getting probably a better player, at least a better prospect, uh, coming up for the Illini. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and company presents... Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Again, thanks to the folks at Coaches Versus Cancer for uh, hooking us up with Brad Underwood, the coach of Illinois. Big event, big event in town. Three days of uh, fundraising and celebration, and Brad Underwood's part of a a group of probably 40, 50-plus coaches. So I think uh, Roy Williams is going to be out there. He's a big part of it. The Krugers, clearly. You know who won't be there? I'm kind of disappointed because he's kind of busy. Is Carlin Hartman. I'll tell you in a second why I'm, I'm disappointed there because I'm watching him at Florida and what he's doing. But one one last thing I wanted to mention about Underwood is the fact that uh, 
So they lost their uh, star point guard recruit from a couple of years ago. He went into the portal. Andre Corbello went back home to New York. Um, and within like two weeks, he recovers. He gets a kid named Sky Clark who was committed to Kentucky. So he'll be okay. Illinois, right. Illinois has done an amazing job. Um, John Gross did not work there, but Underwood's come in. He's won. You know, I was there when I think it was his first year, and Trent Frazier was there, right? And UNLV went on the road to play the Illini and lost at the end of the game because they couldn't get a shot off. Amari Hardy couldn't get a shot off. And I didn't think there was much difference between the rosters. And look at what you know, Brad Underwood has done since. He's done a great job. And and he he does, I mean, we're not gonna force him, you know, hey, th- you, know, you gotta thank Cobra, but he does he uh, he owes guys like Frazier and and Coburn thanks because those are the kind of guys that get a program to that level by staying three and four years. Well, wasn't there? Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't there a moment where Coburn actually entered the transfer portal too? Did he not? I think I have to go back. I know and he considered double. going to the NBA almost well, every year, and he did a G League yeah. camp last season. I know that, and you know, went back and whatnot. So that that year was also, I think, the first year that Io uh, Desuma was in the program, mm-hmm. and I'm watching him, and yeah. I knew he was like a really high, highly touted Chicago guy, and I was like, yeah, he looks like a pretty good player. And then like two years later, he's at 22 points a game. I'm like, holy crap, this you, guy developed. Yeah, that, and you know what? You reminded me too. That's that's one of the regrets. Wish I could ask him about that. Come D- on, has been the Desuma was awesome this year. Yeah, in the NBA, it was fantastic. Well, he's physically gifted because you could see even as a freshman, like he was, you know, he's a pretty big kid. And then he really, he bulked up and filled out. And you're like, that's an NBA player. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So I mentioned Hartman real quick because Florida has been killing it. Carlin Hartman left Kevin Kruger staff to go to Florida with Todd Golden, who was at San Francisco. They have a tie back, like, I don't know, 15 years ago. They're both assistants on a staff. And uh, today they got a kid from St. Bonaventure named Kyle Lofton, who's got like 1,600 points and 600 assists. So, Golden went right in there with Hartman, who's an awesome recruiter, and they've been scooping guys up left and right out of the portal. So Florida will be back on the map. Uh, We'll see if Mike White can do the same thing going from Florida to Georgia, which, by the way, if you missed it along the way, the Rebels' only high school recruit, Kyron Lindsey, wound up decommitting. Everyone was like, oh, of course, Hartman's going to steal him. Take him to Florida. And from what I've been told behind the scenes, they were not going to recruit him because Hartman wouldn't do that to Kevin Kruger. So he winds up, he picked between Georgia and LSU. So now he's at Georgia. It's uh, it's going to be a pretty intriguing program. Golden's pretty good. He's really yeah, good. I, I like him a lot. And he's kind of like the Brandon Staley, kind of you yeah. know, hyper-aggressive analytics. But their, their numbers at USF were awesome. Yeah. Well, like, you talk about hyper. Like I think they shot like in conference, they shot like 32% from three. But they were taking them. No, they take them. them. Uh, Jamari Bouye, who, who he torched. UNLV when they were up there, man, yeah. he's he was really good, and he's one of those guys who was like a two star, not recruited, and they developed him into a a great, great player. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, so now we all start looking for you know with the NFL schedule out. Hey, what games do you want to go to? You know, I know a lot of fans. Obviously, I live with I'm a fan. Uh, live with a, a big Chargers fan. We talk about that all the time. John is a Colts fan. Colts are going to be here in Vegas. You need to start pulling some strings, bro. Is this really JBT doesn't pay for tickets? This is my Von Tobel Tools wasn't here as a you know a first fifty business. You got what a a park? You got an elementary school named after the family community center, right? Let's go. Is it really going to be that hard to get? Yes, yes. I mean, day of you might be able to freaking go on like I'm looking right now on uh, ticket resellers and get them for cheaper. But yeah, Hmm. all right, maybe I won't go then. You're gonna. You have to go. But here's the thing. So I I want to go, right? There's a desire to go, but at the same time, as somebody who's never been to an NFL game and spends a majority of his Sundays in a book where there's multiple, like the experience just isn't going to be the same. Not being able to see what else is going on during the day. Yeah, it's an afternoon game, so I won't miss out on much. But still, 
So I mentioned yesterday that I had been working on tickets way in advance. I, you know, I have a friend who had some tickets available, season tickets. So I got, I had uh, the Charger game locked in, not knowing what the date was going to be because the SO, a significant other, is a Charger fan. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, just kind of pick one of the lesser games on the schedule. Eh, Cardinals. And then it turns out the Cardinals are the season opener, which is kind of crazy, right? So that's now that's a coveted ticket. So. Glad to go to that. I actually, I was asking the SO. I'm like, you got to, she's got a lot of connections too. I was like, you got to work some connections and try to go to like four or five Raiders games this year. She's like, no. She's like, I don't want to go to Raiders games. I'm a Charger fan. I was like, ah, I forgot. You actually really like watching the Chargers. So she's out. She's like, I'm not going to more than two games. Hit up who, your connect. Who says that? See if he wants to, see if he doesn't want <laughs> the those Colts, Colts tickets. Yeah. Might be pushing it. Might be pushing it. I'll, I'll try it. though. We have, we got other connections. You don't want to pay for those. It's a big, it's a big moment for Von Tobel. John, good, good job. Great job of uh, guest booking this week from Ari. We'll see you.